1: Welcome to our Friday's broadcast of The Gospel Truth. Today is the end of my third week teaching on a better way to pray. I have this book on this subject and I tell you, I've been sharing some radical things, but I believe things that would transform your life. I know that in my own personal life, my prayer life, relationship with the Lord has just grown tremendously. And and you know what, I've, I've done everything in prayer that I've taught against in this series. And I was sincere and God is, is big enough to look past some of the dumb things that I've done. And He loved me anyway and God has blessed me, but I've grown and I tell you what, I would much, much, much rather have the prayer life that I have today than what I had 45 years ago. God has spoken a lot of things to me and I'm seeing some good results. I still am growing, I don't see everything happen and I'm still learning, but I tell you, I have grown by leaps and bounds and God is doing good things and I believe that there is a better way to pray than the way I used to do it and the way that I see most Christians praying today. So that's what we've been talking about. We've already covered the first three teachings in this five part set on a better way to pray. And I also have CDs and DVDs on this. We also have a study guide that is designed primarily to help you disciple other people. And if you've been listening to what I've taught, uh, I think you'll recognize that what I'm teaching on prayer is radically different than what most people have ever heard or had modeled to them. And so there is a huge need out there to get out these truths on the proper way, a better way to pray. And I believe that this would be just great to take this study guide and do a a group in your church or a Bible study or something like that. It would be a tremendous way to get these truths out to others. And even if people don't agree with you, it would certainly get the conversation going. It would get things discussed and I think it would help people grow in their relationship with God. I wanna talk about how Jesus told us to pray and believe over in Mark chapter 11. This is a familiar passage of Scripture to many people. But the first thing I did was counter a lot of religious stuff about thinking long prayers and making a show and praying in front of people is good. And then I talked about intercessory prayer, how that most Christians today are praying Old Testament prayers of intercession. They aren't praying New Testament prayers where it's based on what Jesus has done. And they're trying to turn an angry God away from releasing His wrath. It's unnecessary because Jesus has already done that. And what we should do is just enforce. We ought to embrace what Jesus did and enforce what He's done instead of trying to get God to do something as if Jesus hadn't already reconciled us unto Him. And then the, uh, all of this week, I've been talking about what the primary purpose of prayer is. And it's just for love and relationship, intimacy with God, or what the Bible calls everlasting life, knowing God and Jesus Christ. And so that's the primary purpose of prayer. But now I'm gonna be talking about how that there is a place to take your authority and release the power of God that has been placed on the inside of you. And you do that through prayer, through speaking words, of faith, and I'm gonna use this example in the 11th chapter of the book of Mark where Jesus was going into Jerusalem uh, the very at the very end of His ministry, and in Mark chapter 11, verse 12, it says, And on the morrow, when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry, and seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves, he came, if haply he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves for the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it, no man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. And they came into Jerusalem. He cast out the people that were selling uh, doves and the money changers overturned their tables. And then down in verse 20, it says, and in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots And Peter, calling to remembrance, saith unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which you cursed is withered away. Now, before we get into what Jesus said and the teaching that I want to really cover, you need to just recognize that this is a mighty miracle. Jesus was walking by, he was hungry, he saw a fig tree. It had leaves on it in the nation of Israel. I've had some people counter me on this. And you know, to me, I don't, it's just amazing. Somebody is gonna find some, something to criticize you over. It doesn't matter what you do. But I said that when a fig tree has leaves, then it's supposed to have figs, that it produces figs before it produces leaves. Well, apparently there must be some type of tree, fig tree that produces leaves before it produces figs because somebody came in, contacted us and said they had a fig tree and stuff. I don't understand all of that. So we had my staff, and this is so much effort, but we contacted uh, the, some embassy in Israel, and they asked, and sure enough, the fig trees that grow in Israel produce leaves before they produce, I mean, they produce figs before they produce leaves. So this is what it's talking about, Jesus saw, a fig tree that had leaves. If it had leaves, that meant that it was supposed to have figs. So he went over there expecting to get some figs. When he didn't uh, have any figs, he cursed this fig tree and said, no man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And then he just walked on. And I'm sure that as he walked off that fig tree looked exactly the way it did before. It didn't just immediately fall over or something happened to it. And it doesn't say, but apparently his disciples passed by that same route when they went home that night. They walked by that fig tree going into Jerusalem. They probably walked right by it coming back from Jerusalem. And they didn't notice anything that afternoon. But on the morrow, when they passed by, the fig tree that Jesus had spoken to was dead. It was dried up from the roots. Now that is a miracle. He didn't touch it. He didn't take a shovel to it, an ax to it. He didn't pour salt on it. He didn't do anything in the natural. He used words. He spoke to this fig tree and instantly it died. Over in Matthew's account of this, it says immediately it died, but it didn't look dead immediately. It was the next day. And the reason it says right here, it says they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. The moment Jesus spoke, boom, that fig tree was dead. It's roots were dead but just like you can cut off a flower and you can put it in your lapel or something or in a a vase and it'll look like it's still alive even though it's been severed from the life. It's dead, it's in the process of dying. It just takes a little while for it to shrivel up. Well, this fig tree took about uh, 24 hours somewhere around there before it looked above ground what had happened below ground. Boy, there's a great lesson in that. And you know, there is a spiritual world and there is a physical world. And sometimes we're looking for results in the physical world when the truth is, in the spiritual, God is moved, His power has been released. Like if you're talking about healing, your healing is there. It just takes a while for your body to recover. But some people just aren't aware of this. Just like you can't see below the ground and you can't see what the roots look like in a plant. Well, in the same way, you can't see into the spiritual realm. And you can't necessarily see when God moved and released His power, but the moment you believe and speak, the power of God is released. And at that moment, it's a done deal. It may take 24 hours for what's happened in the spiritual realm to manifest in the physical realm, but it is a done deal. And so when they saw this, they were just amazed. And Peter said, Master, behold the fig tree which thou cursed is withered away. You know, one of the disadvantages of just reading something is that you can't really tell the inflection of the voice. I do not believe that Peter just said, Master, behold the fig tree which you cursed is withered away. It was probably more like, wow, Jesus, look at this fig tree, it's withered away. He was overwhelmed to see this supernatural manifestation of God's power and you can't hear the inflection of Jesus' voice either in the next verse when he said, have faith in God but I don't believe he just said, have faith in God. It was more like, have faith in God. What's wrong with you guys? I've been with you three years. You've seen me calm the seas. You've seen me walk on water. You've seen me multiply food. You've seen me raise the dead. You've seen all of these things. When are you gonna start having faith in God? Why does this shock you to see a fig tree withered away? I believe that that's more the way that Jesus was saying this. And here are the verses that I was wanting to get to. Jesus begins to start teaching His disciples how it was that He was able to release this supernatural power of God, and without touching this fig tree, without doing anything in the natural, He just spoke words, this fig tree obeyed Him. Boy, that's pretty miraculous. Again, I think we just sometimes read over this and don't think about it, but what would it be like if I was at your house and I walked by some tree and maybe a branch or something scratched me or I hit the branch and I just turned around and said, you're dead in the name of Jesus. And I walked on and then the next day you come out and that whole tree is just dead. <laughs> Everything's dead on. I guarantee you, that would be impressive. Well, that's exactly what Jesus did right here. And He begins to tell them how He did it. In verse 23, He says, for verily I say unto you that whosoever, now this is important because sometimes people think, well, this was Jesus and Jesus had that power, but you know I don't have that power, you don't have that power. We can't do things like this today. Look at what He says, He says, I say unto you that whosoever, that means it is not limited to Him, it's not limited to these apostles, it's not limited to 2000 years ago. Today, if you are a whosoever, if you're a person, if you're breathing, if you're listening to this, you are a whosoever whether you realize it or not. And whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. That is just overwhelming. This is powerful. There's so much in this verse. I have taught on this verse day after day after day and there's no way that I can get all of this out in one little 30 minute program. I'M GOING TO BE DISCUSSING THESE THINGS AGAIN NEXT WEEK AND GOING INTO THIS. BUT LET ME JUST POINT OUT THAT FIRST OF ALL, HE SAID, THIS IS FOR WHOSOEVER, IT'S NOT LIMITED TO SOMEBODY ELSE. THIS IS TALKING ABOUT YOU. YOU AND I, WATCHING THIS PROGRAM RIGHT NOW, WE CAN DO THIS. THIS IS FOR YOU. WHOSOEVER SHALL SAY... NOTICE, THERE'S THREE DIFFERENT TIMES JESUS EMPHASIZED YOU'VE GOT TO SAY SOMETHING. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, "Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea," and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. So, part of releasing this power of God, and this this is not only done through prayer, but I think prayer is one of the ways that we operate in this and release this. When we face a crisis or something, I pray and say, oh God, what do I do? Give me wisdom and then I'll take a scripture like this and I'll act on it and I'm, I'm doing what it says, but it's actually in response to the Lord. It's because of the relationship and the communion we've been having. And so to me, this is one of the ways that you pray. That's the reason I'm bringing this out. And I think this is really important. When you have a need, this is how you get that need meant. You have to say, THREE TIMES HE EMPHASIZED, YOU'VE GOT TO SAY SOMETHING. YOU KNOW, THERE'S A NUMBER OF POINTS TO BE MADE HERE. LET ME JUST REAL QUICKLY SAY THIS. I DON'T BELIEVE THAT ALL PRAYER HAS TO BE VERBALIZED. I BELIEVE THAT GOD KNOWS THE THOUGHTS OF YOUR HEART. AND THERE'S MANY SCRIPTURES. PSALMS CHAPTER 19, THE LAST VERSE TALKS ABOUT THIS. THERE'S JUST MANY, MANY SCRIPTURES THAT TALKS ABOUT THAT GOD KNOWS YOUR THOUGHTS and everything that you do. And so I believe that you can pray in your thoughts. I certainly have, I've been in situations where I couldn't say things out loud, but man, I was communing with the Lord. I was asking Him for wisdom and I was praying in my heart. You know, they say that they took prayer out of the classrooms, but I can guarantee you, as long as there's test administered in school, there is prayer, it may not be verbal, but there are people asking God to help them and do things and that's prayer, you can pray without verbalizing it but there is power in your words and if you i think many times prayer needs to be verbalized for one thing when you verbalize something it's it helps you to understand it You know, there's a lot of things that God shows me and I get excited in my heart. I've got a revelation and I know something, but I just can't put it into words. It's because I don't really completely understand it. And I'll have to meditate on something and think about it for a while. And then eventually I get to where, yes, I can say this. It helps you to understand and make applications when you get to where you say things out of your mouth. So I think it's good for you to say it But also, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. So you have power in your tongue, power for death and for life. And when you say things, words are powerful. It says in Genesis chapter one that God created the heavens and the earth by words. That's how He spoke them into existence. Did you know every tree, every rock, every person, every animal, everything was created by words. Words are the parent force and things respond to words, just like this fig tree. Did you know in our enlightened age today, people think, well, this is just superstitious to think that a tree could respond to you, but words are powerful. And words spoken in faith will affect even inanimate objects. It will, affect, it will affect all kinds of things. Words are just powerful. I could spend a day or two talking on this. Most people don't understand this. You know, today, words don't mean much. A person used to give you his word and say, I'm going to do something, and you could count on it. That person was bound by their words. Today. People will promise you anything, even they'll sign contracts and then they will sit there and find some escape clause. They will argue over something. And even if it's in writing, it doesn't mean much. If you get a good lawyer, you can get yourself out of that. And people have just gotten to where in our day and age, words aren't that important. People will say things and then say, well, I was just kidding, I didn't mean it. Well, you shouldn't say things that you don't mean and you shouldn't mean things that you don't say. You need to get to where you say Words Words are important, much more important than we know. Going back to that verse, I've already quoted Proverbs 18:21, death and life. It's not only positive things, not only life, not only like speaking and seeing a miracle happen. But you know what? Every word that you speak is either life or death. And sad fact is many people are cursing themselves. There are people saying, well, I'll never prosper. Nothing ever works for me. And you know what? Every time you say something like that, those words affect you. They affect people around you. They affect demons. They affect angels. The Scripture talks about that angels hearken unto the voice of God's Word. We've got ministering angels sent for us. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14, They are all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who shall be heirs of salvation. How do they minister? Well, they hearken to God's Word. And if you start speaking God's Word out of your mouth, you're releasing life and those angels will release and bring things to you. When you say that my God supplies all of my need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus, Philippians 4:19. And if you say that in faith, if you speak this out your mouth in faith and don't waver in your heart, then man, the angels of God start bringing all this to you. But when you start saying, well, I, I'm always failing. I never prosper. Everything I set my hand unto turns to dirt. Well, then all of the demons in here shot, start working to bring that to pass. And I know some of you think I'm ridiculous. And you think, boy, you're just making this stuff up. You believe that there's angels and demons? Absolutely. I believe that when I say things, it affects the spiritual atmosphere. I believe it affects things in the physical, natural realm. Jesus said, Whosoever will say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith will come to pass, he will have whatsoever he saith. One of the reasons we aren't seeing answered prayer and our manifestation of the thing we're praying for is because we don't believe in the power of our words. And we will say all kinds of things. And we will just sit here and, you know, if you, if you sit here and if you aren't truthful, if you don't speak the truth, if you lie, if you shade the truth, if you exaggerate, if you do all of these kind of things, when you do that and then it doesn't come to pass and it's not reality, you know what you've done? You have just convinced your heart that words aren't important, that you can't be trusted and you do not believe that your words are coming to pass, and then all of a sudden, the doctor tells you you're gonna die, and you turn over to Mark 11:23. 23. Well, I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that I am healed. If I is stripes, I am healed, and I believe I'm receiving it. And your heart goes, what makes these words any different than all of the other words that you've been saying that you didn't believe, that you didn't mean? What makes this any different than all of the TV programs that you watch that you say, oh, I don't agree with that. I don't believe that stuff. And yet you sit there and let all this stuff come at you. You know what? You confuse your heart and you keep this verse from working. You have to get to where you believe in the power of words, not only your words, but every word. It says over in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 33, be not deceived. Evil communication corrupts good manners. If you're thinking, well, I can watch TV, I can watch an X-rated thing, I can read this novel, I can do this, I can hang around these people and I don't agree with anything and it's not affecting me, you're deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners, good manner of life. Evil communications do have an effect on you. When you hear lying and things and you just sit there and listen to it, it does affect you and it hinders you. And then when you start trying to operate, in Mark 11:23, 23, your heart has been poisoned because you don't believe in the power of words. You don't believe in this stuff. You spend your whole time just uh, you know, violating this and then you can't just turn that off and all of a sudden turn on faith. You need to get to where you start believing in the power of words. Death and life are in the power of your words. And if you're gonna pray, you need to get to where you start watching what you pray, watching what you say. Again, I've said this a number of times during this series, but there's a lot of people who think it doesn't matter what you say. It just matters whether you pray. Just pray, just let it out, just say whatever you want to. No, there's a right and wrong way to pray. You can speak words of death. I've had people before that came to me and said, would you please pray for my husband? And then they spend all of this time just running him down. He beats the kids, he beats the dog, he spends our money, he drinks up. Uh, you know, all of our money and booze, he does this, he's mean and he doesn't appreciate me. And they just say all of these terrible things and then they say, please pray for him. You know what, I can just imagine that their prayer life is saying, oh God, save my husband because, and then they list for 40 minutes, all of the things and confess all of these terrible things that he's doing. And then they end by saying in the name of Jesus. And they say, why aren't my prayers being answered? Because what you say, is important and you aren't speaking forth what you want Him to be, you're speaking forth what He is. Notice right here it says, whosoever will say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Most people are saying what they have instead of having what they say. There's a difference. You could sit there and say, my husband is this, and just say all of these things. And by doing it, you're defeating yourself, depressing yourself. You aren't speaking forth faith. You're speaking forth griping and complaining, and you wonder why your prayers hadn't been answered. What you need to do is pray and say, Father, I'm asking you to touch my husband to save him. And even though he does some things, I just thank you that he is a godly man. I thank you that he is responsive to you. I thank you that according to 1 Corinthians chapter seven, that I, the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife and the wife by the husband. I thank you, Father, that we are one and that you are taking the things that you've done in my life and that you are touching him. So you start speaking forth your faith, then you can have those things that you're saying instead of having what you've been saying. There's a difference, and praise God, we need to learn a better way to pray. I'm out of time, but I will get back on this again next week on our program. I've got this book entitled, A Better Way to Pray. I encourage you to listen. Our announcer is gonna share with you information about how you can get this teaching, and I know it'll be a blessing to you. So listen to our announcer, and please call or write today.
0: Andrew's complete teaching titled, A Better Way to Pray is available as a book in either English or Spanish. Today, Andrew would like to offer this book as his free gift to you. Go to awmi.net to get your copy today. This offer is limited to one free book per household and is only available in the US, UK, Canada, and Australia. A Better Way to Pray is also available as a CD or DVD album made from our daily television broadcast and as a companion study guide. Each of these valuable resources is available for a gift of any amount when you contact us. This entire series is also available for audio download absolutely free from our website. Go to awmi.net to see all the ways you can get this teaching. We want to say a special thank you to the Grace Partners of Andrew Womack Ministries. Your gifts make it possible to put free ministry materials into the hands of many people in need. If you're not already a Grace Partner, we ask you to pray about becoming one today. You can become a Grace Partner or order resources through our website at awmi.net. While there, you can discover more product details and download additional free resources or call our helpline Monday through Friday from 4:30 a.m. to 9:30 p.m. Mountain Time at 719-635-1111. To write us, use the address on your screen. We appreciate your generosity and hope to hear from you today. The trajectory of your life is about to change. Forget gone on in the past forget all the zillions of people that you've had pray for you forget all of the doctors reports that have come against you in the past God has a future for your life and it's good
1: you have to say it the power of God is voice activated and you have to speak words all pain gone now in Jesus name Karis Hybrid is a unique blend of independent study and face-to-face time with instructors and with other students who are determined to go deeper with God. You'll study courses at home, but then join your fellow classmates in person.
0: I love the new hybrid program. I think it's excellent because as a full-time working person, it just makes my schedule more available. Karis offers weeknight and Saturday classes to accommodate your work schedule. Most people have to work. Every day, all day long, and this would definitely make it a lot easier for them to be able to come up here.
1: It's nice to come home and change into my pajamas and crawl in bed and <laughs> watch my videos, you know.
0: I highly recommend the hybrid program. I think it's, it's fantastic and it'll accommodate many, many schedules.
1: Keras Hybrid adapts to your busy lifestyle and allows you to experience the best of both Keras online and on campus. Learn more at kerasbiblecollege.org. I tell you, I'm excited. God is going to do something special during these meetings. I am enjoying
0: this conference so much. I literally cannot wipe the smile off my face. Seeing Andrew was great and being able to meet him was awesome. He speaks into your life like no one I know. I mean, he makes the Word come alive. Andrew's teaching and the love that he has for God's Word and truth, it is the Gospel truth. Have you checked out the Inside Story yet? It's a great way for you to get an inside look of what is happening at Andrew Womack Ministries. With over six years of interviews, there's a lot to get excited about. Check out this month's featured story today, only at awmi.net.